Hello, Dave. How are you? Good, Kurt. How's it going today? I'm doing well. You? Pretty good. You got to watch a lot of football this weekend? Actually, not really. I was traveling on most of Sunday, so I missed. I saw... I saw the 1 o'clock games, but I missed the 4.30 and on. How about you, Dave? The 4.30 ones were a little bit uh, boring. I actually did the opposite of of what you just said. I missed the the 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock games because I was studying and getting some other stuff done. And then after that, I watched the Bengals play the uh, Raiders, a little bit of the Patriots and Eagles, kind of flip back and forth with that one. Saw a little bit of the Sunday night game and watched a lot of last night's game with the uh, Chiefs and the Chargers. Phillip Rivers is really showing his age. I did not expect he's been so consistent for so long. It's kind of weird to see. Yeah. Do you do you feel that the altitude really affected him down there? Maybe as you get older, you can't your body can't handle it the same way it used to to defend him a little. I just think it's his arm strength because it's been the whole season. I'm, he had four picks last night, but even if you take out that game, he still has 10 more on the season. I don't think he has the arm strength to get it because he's always been a short-arm a short arm quick-release quarterback. So now that he doesn't have the arm strength to get it over, get it to extend the defense, I think it's, his throws are just landing a little bit short and defense players are kind of la- are kind of settling underneath. Either knocking them down or intercepting them. I don't know if the altitude had too much to do with it. I mean, Mahomes definitely didn't have any trouble getting it down the field. That's for sure. Well, yeah. But I feel like Philip Rivers wasn't underthrowing people when I watched the highlights. I feel like it was just he missed his throws. He underthrew under a couple, and there were definitely ones that he just flat out missed. Frank Clark had an outstanding game. He's the one who they replaced D Ford with on their defense this year, the defensive end, and he was just every single play you could see him in the backfield disrupting Philip Rivers' pass. And that was actually a must-win game for the Chiefs too, if you think about uh, – the Raiders are 6-4 and four now with a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. The Chiefs really needed that game. If they let it drop to the Chargers, then uh, it would have been very difficult for them to win their division. And the Chargers would have still been only a game back as well. So they kind of ended the Chargers season effectively that night at seven losses. Do you think that the Chiefs are going to beat the Raiders in week 12, 13, 13, 13? Well, they have the advantage of coming off the bye for uh, for sure. And they were be- they were better against the run last night than they have been during the season. That would be the only reason that I think the Raiders would have an advantage is because their running game is so tough to defend regardless of who you have out there. But the Raiders' secondary is also pretty terrible, so I could see Patrick Mahomes having another day like he had last time. He's, he threw four touchdowns in the second quarter against the Raiders and kind of ended their hopes of an upset there. I think it'll probably be a similar thing coming off a of bye week with two weeks to prepare for John Gruden's offense. I like the Raiders, but I think that's one that they're going to drop. Maybe the only game they drop the rest of the season.
Interesting. So, Dave, are our teams supposed to be the all-pro team right now or who you would want to have in your starting 11? See, I think we had a little bit of of, uh, miscommunication there because I thought that we were doing, like, based on the season right now, like, to this point, who would deserves to be an all-pro. But I think what you meant was – who are the best players in the league that you that you would take kind of like a fantasy draft kind of thing where you, exactly got gotcha. you I mean mine's pretty similar to what I would take too in the AFC you know what I've you know I, what I've realized when when I was looking at the players to add for these there's a huge talent gap between the AFC and the NFC right now because on the offensive side of the ball a lot of the offensive leaders for all the stats are coming from the NFC and on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of the stars, they're also you have to filter them out when looking for AFC All Pros. Like uh, you talked about the linebackers last week with Keekley and Wagner, a lot of the corners are in the NFC. The the really good pass rushers, like um, other than Miles Garrett, oh well, he's a, a non factor now t- too, and like Chris Jones. But other than that, a lot of the dominant pass rushers are also on the NFC side of the ball, excluding J.J. Watt because he's out for the season at this point. But have you found the same thing looking at the NFC and AFC rosters? It's probably a lot harder to choose your teams in the NFC, right? I feel like NFC has more talent. I, I think that blatantly NFC has more talented players. Well, you could also see it in the records because – it's not that it wouldn't be that outlandish to say that it might take 12 wins to get a wild card in the NFC this year. That's how good the league is. Assuming that the Patriots and Cow- or that the Eagles and Cowboys win their division at 10 and 6. <laughs> yeah, well even if even if it's not like that division's kind of an outlier for the rest of the league cuz the in the north you have the Packers and the Vikings, they could both easily win 12 games this year. Uh, out West, you have Seattle and the 49ers who could who are probably both going to win 12 games this year, barring big upsets down the stretch. So then that leaves – you could see a team like uh, – who else is out there? The Rams could go 11-5 and five like they did two years ago and miss the playoffs this year. It's just that tough yeah. a conference. Whereas in the AFC, you're, you will probably see a nine and seven playoff team, unless the Raiders went out down the stretch. That. I don't know about that. Well, dude. who are the two? The Bills are. I think we've had them as a lock for one of the wild cards. They have three losses right now, and then they're seven and three. And then Houston and the Raiders are tied at six and four, I think. And the and yeah. Houston has the tiebreaker based on head to head record. And and. Indianapolis is also six and four. Whoever's not winning the division at the time. Right. So that makes this I think they play again this weekend, so that makes this this weekend's game huge for it it gives you a game plus advantage because if the Colts win they'll have won two games against Houston, so Houston would have to catch them and then win one more game to beat them in the tiebreaker. So it's a huge game this weekend. A lot of game you're gonna see a lot of games with huge playoff implications. And also draft implications because the bottom teams are still bunched up together. 
even though uh, Miami's won a couple games. They're still the Giants that have two losses. The Bengals need to try to lose out if they can, but they have a pretty they have some winnable games down their schedule. So it's a pretty good time to watch football, especially if you're really into it. I agree, Dave. I think I think the AFC race is going to be more entertaining than the NFC race. Yeah, I could see that too. Because I don't know if the Rams could really keep up with their roster right now with the Vikings, who are winning, who are winning big games. By the way, they won against Dallas and a huge comeback last week. Yeah, yeah, they were down twenty-three to nothing. I think halfway through the third quarter, and Kirk Cousins just stepped it up. So maybe they're trying to get rid of that stigma that they can't win big games. And I don't think the Rams are even close to as talented as the Seahawks are this year, especially if Russell Wilson keeps playing the way he is. See, I think the Rams are just as talented as the Seahawks. I just feel like the Seahawks are better. The reason the Seahawks are better is because their quarterback is that much better than Jared Goff. You think that, and I don't think I don't think Jared Goff's a bad quarterback. I just feel like Russell Wilson is that much better. Which defense would you take, L.A. or Seattle? Seattle. I think that's the main difference maker because L.A.'s defense leaves a lot to be desired on the field, and their offense just can't keep up this year. If you had Russell Wilson on L.A.'s offense, they'd be putting up thirty-five points a game. Oh yeah, no doubt. Just because of his. It's a, it comes down to the maneuverability type of thing. They have a lot of they have a lot of receivers that would probably benefit from a quarterback that could play off schedule. Well, one thing you got to say, like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, they help hide their bad offensive lines. They do. That's a fact. So does the Sean Watson does also a little bit. They it's just kind of how the game is, and Patrick Mahomes to an extent. Yeah, just Patrick Mahomes has hit a couple of flaws in that line this year. They yeah. haven't been as good as they have been in years past. He played really well. He, I think he rushed for like 70 yards last night on four carries, but he was all over the backfield trying to uh, escape the pressure from Melvin Ingram and uh, Joey Bosa. Yeah, having a quarterback like that would definitely help the Rams. Do you think Jared Goff's down year would be uh, a reason for concern, or do you think – they come back next year with a re-fortified offensive line, and Jared Goff will be back to his old tricks. Like, who, who is think... the real Jared Goff? Because we've seen him at an MVP level, and we've seen him throw for four touchdowns in his rookie year. Which Jared Goff is it? I think it's somewhere in between. In between. The problem with Jared Goff is he's not mobile, and he's not a great reader of plays. He's not a genius like Brady. And really, if you if you are not mobile, you have to be able to read the field and read your keys so fast. And he doesn't read them that fast. But if you give him a good offensive line like he had last year, great offensive line like he had last year, he can be great. He throws a very good ball. He's very accurate. It's just he takes a little bit longer to read the field than most quarterbacks. And I think they've also babied him and brought him along a little bit slowly. They haven't. They never really take the training wheels off, in my opinion. <laughs> so it sounds like he won't be on your all-pro all roster. From him, 
you want to start with your all-pro quarterback for the NFC? You you never answer my question. Which one are we going? Who deserves it or who do I want? Uh, Go with who you want. Who do I want? The best quarterback in football. Six foot five, muscle of a man, Carson Wentz. Mr. Fire, Ferrari. The guy, I know Wentz is having a bad year, quote unquote, but his receiving core has been terrible. His offensive line has played bad. Takes plays. Down 17 10, fourth and 10, 22 seconds left. Blitzing off his back foot, throws a dime to Nelson Aguilar in the end zone, which he drops to tie the game. Yeah, that was t- Aguilar. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. It was a good route. He got open, but then when you're that wide open in the back of the end zone, why would you? He, his body was positioned terribly. That I agree with you. I think. Well, I would, I would take Russell Wilson, but uh, Carson Wentz. You can make a case for him to be on an All Pro team this year with what he's had to deal with, with the bad offensive line, the drops, getting hit constantly. He's had a, he's had a pretty solid year carrying the Eagles to playoff contention. We'll see if they can close it out down the stretch, but if they do, it'll be a testament to how great he is. Well, the Eagles play their last the the Eagles are 5 and 5 and they only play two winning teams left on their schedule. That's so the Cowboys Seahawks week. And the Cowboys. And then they I'm guessing the they have the Giants again and then the Redskins probably in there. They have the Giants twice. The Redskins and the Dolphins. Yeah, so my I think that there's no reason that they can't win this division. They just have to beat Dallas when they face them head to head. Well, what's That's, Dallas' schedule look like? It has to be tougher than that, right? They play the Dallas plays the Patriots. They have the Seahawks. I forget, but they, I think it's every team but one is a winning team. So that'll be a test for Dak Prescott and. They need to get a little bit healthier, too. They're, Amari Cooper doesn't look right right now. And they have some holes on defense. That'll be an interesting – like I said, week 16 when they play, that's going to be a week to just go on silent and just watch football because all the games that week are going to have huge playoff implications and uh, gonna, it's going to change the landscape of the NFL depending on how things go. So Carson Wentz is your quarterback. Who's in the backfield behind him? Staying in the same division, the best running back in football that's been injured all year, but is still the best, Saquon Barkley. The guy's insane. He's a natural. Amazing. Basically, he is the most explosive running back. 230 pounds, five foot ten, runs a four four. Guy's ridiculous. Yeah, he's a freak in nature. Even with I, he looks a little slower now, admittedly, but because I don't think he'll be healthy for the rest of the season on that ankle. But he he's still a force to be reckoned with. If you give him any space, he's a home run hitter. As good as yeah. they come. Do you think your your Pennsylvania Penn State bias has anything to do with you picking him over like Zeke or um, 
or other Chris Carson's had a pretty solid year. Well, I think if you were going to go, the only there's two other running backs that I, you could go with. McCaffrey, who is awesome. The guy's great, but he's more of a pass catcher than a runner. And then there's Zeke, who's not really a pass catcher, but an amazing blocker and runner. You don't and, put Dalvin Cook up in that category with those three? I don't think so. I think Dalvin Cook is a lesser Zeke and Saquon. I think McCaffrey is a different running back. He's almost a receiver playing running back. So I like I count him as like a different position almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, like a flex kind of guy. Yes. And I think I think that if you're gonna go with two the three best running backs. Honestly, the three best running backs in football, if you ask me, are Saquon, McCaffrey, and Zeke. Yeah, hard to argue. I think some people would throw Kamara in there, but I always I think Kamara is more in like the five through seven range. He benefits from that offensive line a lot. Going and going into the he, year, my my top three were uh, what you mentioned before. If you were me, would you? Would you have chose who would you have chosen at running back? Probably McCaffrey, just because of how sensational his year's been. Like you just look at the if you just look at his numbers for two seconds, it's we've never seen Ridiculous. we've never seen any all po- all purpose yards performance like it. And he's it's not like he's a bad runner. He's running for like four and a half yards a carry. He, no, he's a good runner. He's a very good runner. Yeah, I think that uh, – I don't know. I would probably go with McCaffrey, but in a year where Saquon's healthy, like we saw him last year, Saquon was the McCaffrey of the Giants offense. He was carrying – he was the only way that they even moved the ball. There were some games where he had 17 catches out of the backfield. So that a guy who's dual-dimensional like that and who's probably the best I don't know if he's the best between the the tackles running back, but all around he's the best. He's the best receiving running back. Who, McCaffrey or Barkley? McCaffrey. Oh, yeah, I was talking about Barkley. Oh, no, yeah, no, I don't no. know if McCa- if Barkley's necessarily the best between the tackles, but if you, if you take in everything combining the A-gap rushes and the, the zone read rushes with the off-tackle stuff, I think Barkley's pound for pound the the best rusher in football he's the most explosive back in football yeah and he has great footwork great head great vision he's just a complete package great leader that remains that remains to be seen he's a bad blocker yeah he doesn't he doesn't like to block which is some like i was watch i forgot what oh it was miles sanders i think i actually texted you about it like he might not be the best running back he still has to work on hitting the hole a little bit better but when he's in when his assignment is to block he gets into it and blocks these big linebackers and these big pass rushers with his entire body which is something that you need from a star running back it's because he had to play behind Saquon they're like we're gonna throw the ball and you're not running around so we need you to go in and block so Saquon can get a break that's true when you're not the star guy you need to do something to stay on the field and that's a great way to do it so I like I like the offensive backfield. Are you going with 
uh, a second running back or more receivers in your offense? I, I will have three receivers, but I'd love to tell you who my offensive line is, Dave. Sure. My offensive line is rated best by PFS in football. It's the New Orleans Saints. And I don't really know how to explain. I just explain why I chose the Saints. I just think they've had the best overall offensive line performance of any team in the AFC this year. Arguably the league. And I really couldn't find another team other than the 49ers. But the 49ers don't nearly pass, don't pass protect nearly as well as the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, just by the eye test, I think the Saints are the way to go. Like, I can't even think of a time where I saw either Bridgewater or Breeze really get clobbered out there. And also, also the, the holes for Kamara and Latavius Murray are huge. Like, me and you could probably hit them for four or five yards with our, like, 5-4-40 speed. All right, come on, man. We're at least 5-2-5. I don't know. You might have to speak for yourself on that one. But, yeah, that okay. offense – imagine Saquon Barkley running behind that offensive line. He'd probably rush for 3,000 yards. Or Carson Wentz behind that offensive line. Well, I we've actually seen that because the Eagles' offensive line was on that level a couple of years ago, and Carson Wentz and almost won the MVP. Should have won the MVP. If he didn't get injured. So, yeah, if if some of the guys you picked behind that offensive line, that team is already scary, and we don't even know who's the receivers. Okay, Dave, I think it's time for you to give me your – what defense are you running, a 3-4 or 4-3? I'm running a 4-3. I'd love to hear about your front four. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to change it up a little bit since from what I had, because I did based on this year. But if we're counting all players who I would want to have, obviously J.J. Watts on there. So he's going to be my first guy. He was all, he was tearing the league apart before he got injured. When he's healthy, he's the best. He, I think he's the best player, football player in the league when healthy. At least two years ago when he actually was healthy, he was. So he would be my first guy. I'm going to re- he Cameron Hayward was my last guy on my defensive line, but I'm going to replace Watt with him. So it's going to be Watt, Joey Bosa, who leads the who's second in the AFC in sacks with 8.5 or actually third cuz Miles Garrett has 10. And I'm also going to put Miles Garrett on there now because even though he's suspended and won't be an all-pro he had 10 sacks. He's a game wrecker. If they get his penalty issue under control, he'll win a defensive player of the year in no time. So I'm going to replace him with Kalias uh, Campbell, who is having a phenomenal year out in Jacksonville. And then my last guy on my line is Matthew Judon in Baltimore. He had a great game this weekend, so it's fresh in my mind. And he's up there in all the pass rushing stats. He's a pretty good run stopper. And he's the re- one of the reasons why the Baltimore defense is the way it is. Dave, did you say Calais Campbell is a part of your team, your defensive line? He was, but I'm replacing Miles Garrett with him. Oh, I'm putting Miles Garrett on in lieu of uh, Calais Campbell. I love Campbell. I think he's a great player. Yeah, a couple um, of years ago, he sh- he should have won Defensive Player of the Year when Jacksonville made it to the AFC Championship game. 
Isn't that when Aaron Donald still dominated, though? Yeah, Cam. If you look at the numbers side to side, Clyde's Camel was right there. Yeah, but from a D tackle, you don't get the sacks. The fact that their numbers were right there and he was a D tackle and Clyde's Camel was a DN is ridiculous. Fair enough. Fair enough. What do you think of the overall picks on that line? You think the Saints could block them? No, but I don't think any. I don't think if you put the best five offensive linemen in the league and you put that defensive line against them, that they could block them. That's fair. I yeah, I kind of I kind of lean toward more pass rushers when I'm picking, just because I I love what the Patriots do, where they have guys who get to the quarterback up front. They'll have four guys spread across they're all threats to get to your quarterback and then the rest of your defense really makes up for the coverage and the run stop the Patriots run defense is mostly in the second level if you notice their linebacking play so that's kind of like the model that I went with when I picked these teams that makes sense do you want to give me your three linebackers and then I'll give you my wide receivers and tight end and then sure. give me the secondary Okay. Yeah, that's that works for me. Yeah. You're gonna notice a theme with uh with some of my picks. There's a lot of Steelers and there's a lot of Patriots in my in my uh in my secondary and linebacking core. The first guy is TJ Watt. He's obviously overshadowed by JJ because JJ's the best player in the league, but TJ Watt's been the best player on Pittsburgh's defense, and that's saying something with some of the players that they have. He's got ten and a half sacks. He leads the AFC, but he's also a two-way running back. I mean, a two-way linebacker who you don't mind putting on that big tight end and trying to take him out of the game. So he's my first guy on the outside. Then Joe Sherbert from Cleveland, a very unknown guy, but he actually leads the AFC in tackles, and he's really stabilized the Cleveland defense, even though they struggled a lot early in the season. The last guy is a guy who's been. He left the Patriots when he wanted a contract, and he came crawling back this year. He's been good for pretty much his whole career. I think he was a third-round pick. That was a steal when the Patriots drafted him. It's Jamie Collins. This guy just does everything. Whatever Belichick asks him to do, if it's rush the quarterback, he'll rush the quarterback. If it's take away a speedy receiver out of the backfield, he'll do it. If it's uh, stay back in zone coverage, he'll do it. Jamie Collins is an all-pro. He really is an all-pro. And I think it's interesting when we compare our linebacking cores, Dave, from NFC to AFC. NFC has a lot better linebackers than the AFC, no? A lot better names, for sure. Like, the, a lot of the leading tacklers come from linebacker, the linebacker position just because they're always near the play. And a lot of the leading tacklers do come from the NFC. Like, Luke Keekley's always up there. Bobby Wacker. Um, Bobby Wagner, yeah. Jalen Smith, Van Der Esch, Khalil Mack, mm-hmm. if you count. Well, is, is Khalil – I think he's playing He's playing defensive end. I, he was an outside linebacker when he came into the league. Though. It's the same thing. Yeah, just spends what – What's he's up? He's Von Miller. They just go every play. Yeah, pretty much. And he's an – I wanted to put Von Miller on my team, but this year he just hasn't been loud. I haven't watched Denver at all this year, but I feel like he. Ha- the only time I watched him was against Minnesota, 
and he did nothing on the final drive. Yeah, he has a tendency, even even when he was dominant in his career, he's had a tendency to kind of disappear. I would, and maybe it's maybe it's because he's double teamed and stuff like that. But it's he kind of has a quiet fifteen sacks every every year, and you don't really see him in the big spot make the big play, except for when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. He had he had two sacks against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game in six hurries, and yeah, well, that was that had, was his money game. That's what he got the hundred million dollar contract off of. And then he stripped Cam Newton for, and someone returned it for a touchdown. They just he was he played lights out in those two games, and then he was suspended the next four games the next season for steroids. So you just kind of wonder, you know. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder at that point when there's a regression. Like, I wouldn't say it's a regression. He just hasn't been as good. It's like when Alex yeah, Rodriguez but... got suspended for steroids, he came back, he hit he hit like 280 with 30-something home runs, but it wasn't the 52 home runs that he hit when he was winning MVPs and roided up. So you just think about the regression there. I think if you put Von Miller on a better team, I think it's hard for him to suit up every day, every week and just go, I care about this terrible team after I've been a Super Bowl champion. You think he's a candidate to sign with the Patriots? Be one of those late career guys like Chris Long and uh, who is the other guy? That's, they do it every year. They sign a guy in like their 15th year. Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Yeah, if they dropped. There was, a, there, were, there was another big guy that they got who won them a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Darrell Rivas did. Yeah, there's a there's a million examples. Do you think he's a candidate to be one of those guys? I think he's still better than one of those guys. I think he is a tier above those guys. Um, I think he's he's still really good. And if you played with Belichick, he would be amazing. But I don't see him leaving Denver because I still think he's worth a lot of money. Even though he's having a down year, I feel like they'll bounce back. But it's also a very hard time to be him. Like, their their division is extremely tough. You have two, you have three very talented teams in that division. Regardless of how the Chargers have been playing, they're still a very talented roster. And I think, I think it's just hard knowing you're going to be like you're trying to tank, honestly, and it's better for your team to tank. And he's on the field a lot, too. The offense is down near the bottom of the league in time of possession, both with Joe Flacco and whatever his name is, Allen. There's like seven quarterbacks in the league that are named Allen right now. It's it's actually kind of confusing. Like you got Josh, uh, Kyle Allen. I don't even know the Broncos quarterback's first name, but his last name's Allen. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's not that interesting. It's just... They're drafting a quarterback, right? The Broncos? Yeah. I think Flacco was a one-year deal, so I don't think they'll bring him. They actually... Didn't they draft someone in, like, the second round? Or was that Drew... this Allen kid? That was Drew Locke. Through luck, so but I'm, sur- I'm kind of surprised they didn't put him in. He was last year, and they basically called him a bust and just said goodbye. Hmm. 
Yeah, so I guess maybe they would. They're, they're going to be near the top of the draft. And we already went over. There's a pretty sizable. There's a there's a nice quantity of uh, quarterbacks to take your pick on this year. So I want to put it out of the realm of possibilities. But for some reason, John Elway hasn't been. He's been hesitant to take a quarterback in the first round. He well, took he one in Paxton. That's true. The one, the one that he tried it on was Paxton Lynch, and that that flops pretty quickly. I'm, but that was late. That was late in the first round. So maybe if there's a a guy he likes in the beginning, you would think that he would be able to know what quarterback has the qualities he likes. To be fair, in this past draft, he had the number what four pick. No. Yeah, but they had also committed to Joe Flacco, and I think I think even though the division's tough. They were, they were. I think they won six games last year, so they probably thought if we retool this defense, we could compete. Like kind of like the Peyton Manning winning model. You don't really need a great quarterback; just have a dominant defense and uh, offense that can move the ball. Yeah, but they don't have an offense that can move the ball. Their offense can't be much worse than what it was when Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl with them. I agree. That offense was abysmal. That was bad, but at the same time, that defense was unreal. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, forgive me if I'm wrong, but they drafted a pass rusher this year, right? They drafted Bradley Chubb last year. This year, they drafted Noah Font first. Oh, really? A tight end? Yes, but they drafted him like 18th. Right, they traded down. Yeah, but the only quarterback they could have got this year was Haskins. Well, and at four, they could have got Daniel Jones. They didn't have fourth. They had fourth the year before when they got Chubb. And at that point when they had that, they they couldn't – they lost Baker and Sam Darnold. They could have got Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, or Josh Rosen. And Josh Rosen, you've seen how it panned out. And, yes, I'm sure if you go back, the Broncos would like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. But those were two of the arguably – arguably, those two were the most risky of the four, of the five quarterbacks. Yeah, I'd say. They're both... Which is funny because Lamar Jackson is on pace to be MVP. And I would say of the other three, Sam Darnold, Baker, and Josh Allen – the one who's showing the most progress is Josh Allen. He might not be the best right now, but he's definitely progressing the best. He would actually be a good fit in Denver too. Looking back retrospectively, like he's got a big arm, high altitude out there in Denver. He they had a receiving core with uh Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton. Two guys that can go vertical. That that might have been a that might have been what they wanted to do. And he's good and he's shown that he doesn't care if he gets hit hard. He'll take the big hits to get the first down. He's a leader. Well, he's he's a, he's bigger than Cam Newton is, and almost Physically. as fast. I think the guy's got I, a good forty time. He he definitely is fast, but I don't know if he's almost as fast. I feel like we forget how fast Cam Newton used to be. That's true. All right, Dave. I'm going to go into my receivers and tight end. Playing my tight end. Can you guess who it is? You already know. In the NFC? It's not Zach Ertz, is it? Now you're playing with me. (laughs) Greg Kittle? George Kittle, Dave. 
George Kittle, the best tight end in football. Great blocker. He's been the reason San Francisco has been struggling offensively is because he hasn't been on the field. He is such a game changer. He is Rob Gronkowski to them when Gronkowski was the main focal point of the offense. That's because they have a bad quarterback, though, and he just feeds the middle of the field. Coming from a 9-1 team. I don't think Garoppolo's a bad quarterback. I think he's I think he's good. I, I think Kittle's – who would you say is a better tight end than Kittle in the league? In the NFC? I mean, Austin Hooper's had a pretty solid year. Oh, my so God. Yeah, get that shit out of here in Atlanta in games that don't matter. He did it last year, too. He's a good tight end. He just didn't have the volume from of Kittle last year. I mean, Kittle's definitely one of the top three guys in the NFC. And by the by the numbers, I don't see why you w- wouldn't pick him. He's a solid. He's a solid tight end. He's the best tight end in football right now. Absolute animal. You said some bold things like Lamar Jackson, front runner for MVP. George Kittle, best tight end in football. Lamar Jackson is the front runner. That's not a. That's not a fact. That's a fact. Russell Wilson sits out one week, and everyone just forgets about the season he's had. He's no, had I, such a harder schedule than Lamar Jackson. Dave, who beat the Patriots? On that, the road. And the Patriots offense isn't the Patriots offense right now. And who beat Seattle on the road? The Ravens. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's going to win it. I don't know if he'd be my MVP right now, but I think he is... I think I'd have Wilson, but I think he is the front runner for MVP right now, just based on what people are saying. Prob- he'll, to be fair with that statement, the ESPN will hype him up because he's more exciting than Russell Wilson, and that really decides the MVP vote. We saw it in the NBA last year with Giannis and Harden. It's whoever gets the media hypes up, they're going to win it. Exactly. So it might be Lamar Jackson, but I wouldn't and say Lamar, he had, he's had the better season. Lamar Jackson has a highlight run every week, and whether it matters or not if they win, the highlight run gets shown. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, Damn. Anyways, my slot receiver is also in the NFC West, and it's Cooper Cup of the Rams. Most underrated blocking wide receiver in football, Cooper Cup. Great blocker, good route runner, good speed, great hands. He's just an all-around slot receiver that you want on your team. Yeah, no doubt. I, I was really struggling to find another pure slot receiver in the NFC. Well, that, that, I um, think you could have honestly just stopped looking at Cooper when you got to Cooper Cup. Like, when... When he's go, when he's not, when you don't hear Cooper Cup's name on the broadcast when you're watching the Rams, it means the Rams aren't moving the ball because the offense runs the best when Goff is just feeding Cooper Cup down the field. You're not wrong. He probably he uh, probably would have been an All Pro last year to be honest if it wasn't for his ACL injury. And then my two outside wide receivers are the are. Two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Michael Thomas and Julio Jones. And I don't even think I need to argue why they are where they are. Now, question for you. 
yesterday the announcer for I for, I don't remember off the top of my head who the announcers are for Monday Night Football, but one of the announcers was saying repeatedly that he would put Michael Thomas into the MVP conversation for what he's done out in New Orleans this year, and he is on he does have the most catches in ten games of a season of any player in history with a backup quarterback for half the season. Would you go as far to say he's in? He's a legitimate MVP candidate as a wide receiver. No. No. I think if if a wide receiver was going to win the MVP, it would have been Calvin Johnson when he had over 2,000 yards receiving that season. Do you remember that? Yeah, that Calvin Johnson was great at his prime. Insane. I just don't believe anyone could win it. Like, McCaffrey statistically is having the best year of someone that isn't a ca- quarterback, and he's not even in the conversation. Like, people have him fourth. They have him behind Rodgers. Well, I think when I think what he meant was in the conversation, like, top five. Would he be top five on your MVP ballot? Wilson, Jackson, McCaffrey... Rodgers. Yeah, I guess he could sneak in at fifth. But I don't feel like the Saints have gotten the coverage to put him there. I guess you could put him in the 5-10 to range. But I really think there's only four people who are legit candidates this year. That's fair. I I think if you would put a fifth, honestly, you'd probably put Dak Prescott before him. you You know I'm not a big fan of Dak Prescott, but he has played really well. Yeah, that's surprising because he's had some dud games, but he's also had those big games and won Dallas a couple games with his arms. So, six and zero against teams that are under five hundred, and zero and four against teams that are over five hundred. That doesn't bode well for them down the stretch if that trend continues. Exactly. Okay, Dave, who's your secondary? So, starting at cornerbacks, there's one clear cut best cornerback in football right now and he really came not out of nowhere everyone knew who he was but then he signed a big contract which everyone thought he got overpaid and he's lived up to it it's Stefan Gilmore he's just shut down for the whether it's the Patriots scheme that made him better or it's pure talent doesn't matter you don't hear the receiver's name when he's on them and he follows the best receiver a lot of people don't realize that even in the Patriots scheme where they run a lot of zone and everyone is versatile, he usually follows the best receiver even into the slot. So he's my number one guy. And then same division, another winning team, another great cornerback, Tredavious White out in Buffalo, gets no press coverage. But it's because there's never any big plays against him, so he's never on the screen. He doesn't even get thrown at. That's how good – That like it's – Revis Island, but up in up in Buffalo, so no one's actually going to visit it because it's up in, up in Buffalo. The guys. I got to I got to say, Dave, I got to stop you right there. Those two corners would be exactly the corners that I would have chosen, especially in the AFC where you don't have like Jar- uh, Jalen Ramsey and uh, Patrick Peterson and um, Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, Richard Sherman, who I think is overrated, but we can. That's the topic for another day. Probably a little bit, but he's had a nice season this year. 
So yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Those would be my tandem at cornerbacks, locking down the outside receivers, or even slot receivers if you need them. Then at safety, Minka Fitzpatrick has just been too good this year to ignore. Every time, every time you see a highlight, a, a defensive player highlight, there's a fifty-fifty shot. Minka Fitzpatrick is a part of it. He has seven forced turnovers this year, five picks, two forced fumbles. I think three defensive touchdowns. He scored more touchdowns since he joined Pittsburgh than the Redskins have scored total before this week because they scored two against the Jets. But before that, that was a true stat. He really changed the he changed the demeanor of the Steelers' defense. Before that, they were letting up big plays. They weren't really able to stop anybody. And then he got there and he shored up the secondary and the rest of the defense caught on the energy. And now they're in the top half of the league in most defensive statistics. And then if you put the guy next to him, Devin McCourty would actually very, would actually really compliment him well if they ever got put together. Devin McCourty, just another Patriots guy who does everything, everything that he needs to do. At the beginning of the year, I thought he was the defensive player of the year candidate because I think he had five INTs in the first six games. He hasn't had one since, but still five interceptions from the safety position. From a guy who's always around the ball, he's he takes away he takes away the best guy in the slot or a tight end usually every single week. Usually when they say the Patriots take away the best player on offense is because Devin McCourty's involved in that in some way. So those that would be my defensive secondary. Why did you decide to not include Earl Thomas in your secondary? I just saw like he's a great player. He was in his prime. He was better than both the guys on the on the um, secondary I laid out. But I think he would be. I think I would put Jamal Adams on it before him, so he would probably be my fourth or fifth choice for my safety spots this year. Great player, Hall of Famer, but he's a step slower than he used to be and. I don't know. The other guys are better options, I think. I've had better years, too. And who would your coach be? For AFC defense. I keep on forgetting to... uh, Excluding Belichick, right? Yes. Sean McDermott. I like it. I like it, Dave. I love Sean McDermott. That entire Bills... I love the entire Bills team, to be honest. I think that that they don't get enough press coverage for how good they actually are and how good a culture they're building. Who would be your defense on the NFC side? My offensive coach? Yep. Uh, My offensive coach would be Sean Payton. I was was hoping you would go with Matt LaFleur, to be honest. No, I don't think LaFleur is that great. I think he has really good talent. I'm not saying he's doing a good job of recent, but definitely, definitely Sean Payton. Offense is always good in in New Orleans. Granted, they always have Drew Brees, but he's a big part why his schemes are complex and they work. Yeah, his Sean Payton's blocking schemes have to be the the probably the most complex, but also the best in the league. And, and it's fun to watch because they could literally just – go down the field five plays, five screen passes to five different players. 
and score a touchdown on you. It's amazing what they what they do out there in New Orleans, and Sean Payton's the reason why. Okay, Dave, it's time to start our picks. Let's do it. Who's your favorite for the week? Let me just pull up my notes. I was looking through. The, there's some tough games to pick this week. I, I, there were a couple games I was scared to go to. But my favorite is the Bills. I think I've used them a lot in this in this segment of the podcast. But they're playing the Broncos with a backup quarterback in Buffalo. And I really don't see a chance that they could lose. They played some close games against bad teams. Like they were close against Miami for a lot of it. But I think in this one we'll see a game similar to what they played last week with Josh Allen just running all over the defense. He threw 470 yards of offense by the Bills last week. Yeah. Most in the past two years. If that trend continues, it'll be a tough day for Denver with that Bills defense. Yeah, we. I love that pick, and that was my second pick if I had one. But my first pick is the Raiders over the Jets. See, the Jets fan in me wants to stay away from that one just because a two-game winning streak, you want to think you can go to three. But, yeah, I think the Raiders have a good shot of steamrolling us, to put it nicely. I think Gruden does a good job of making sure that his, making sure that his team always gets up and plays every week. He's a good motivator. He doesn't take people lightly. And I think they want to make sure they get this easy win before they most likely will lose to Kansas City after a bye because Andy Reid always wins after bye. So they're going to make sure they get this win so they don't fall too far behind. Do you think that this – so you think they'll get up and it won't be a trap game then? Correct. But I also believe the Chiefs will beat them the next week. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, it's a must-win game if they want to make the playoffs, especially with they're on the tail of Houston right now, and they're probably not going to win their division. I like the pick. I like the I like what the Raiders have going for them. What's your close game for the week? I'm curious where you're going to go here. Sunday night football. I got San Francisco beating beating the Packers at home. The Packers are going to have to travel, I know, off a bye. But what San Francisco, what they do best is run the ball and throw to the tight ends. And if there's one weakness of Green Bay's defense, it's running the ball and throwing to the tight ends. And the only times the Packers' offense has had trouble this year is when they got rushed by four players. They got pressure by four defensive linemen, and that's all San Francisco does. And I think it's going to really give the Packers a hard time. And I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to walk out of land, are going to walk out of San Francisco and beat the Packers pretty handily. Yeah, I think they're going to defend their home field. Just like just like you. Now you picked against my team, so I'm going to return the favor and pick against your team here. I'm going to pick the Seahawks to beat the Eagles in Philadelphia. I think that uh, Chris Carson's going to have a big day on the ground against the Eagles front seven. Uh, Tyler Lockett's going to run crazy. And I think they're going to use Josh Gordon more than they did before the bye week. He was really only on the field for the two big catches in the fourth quarter and in overtime. I think this week he'll, he'll be full out there, healthy, 
knowing the playbook and it'll pay dividends for the offense. I think we'll see a version of the Seahawks offense that we haven't really seen this season with the explosiveness. But it w- um, it won't be a blowout by any means, so Carson Wentz will keep them in the game. I think – I don't know what's wrong with Deshaun Jackson, now Sean Jeffrey, but they're a bunch of fuckheads. They've been out, like, every week with, like, minor injuries. They're they, – it's limiting the offense, and they can't really be afforded to be limited because their defense and secondary is so bad. And Russell Wilson – what what is he best at extending plays? They're gonna throw. He's gonna throw for four hundred yards against the Eagles, and the Seahawks are gonna win thirty-one to like twenty. And I hate that I'm picking against the Eagles, and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, it's kind of what you have to do when your team's up against a tough matchup. You just hope that you're wrong about your gut feeling. Yeah. And who's your upset of the week, Dave? This one's kind of. This one's kind of out there because they're supposed to be losing every game, but I'm going to pick the Bengals over the Steelers. We, st- I'm trying to think about how to say this and why I think it's – the Bengals weren't – they actually impressed me a little bit because I watched a lot of the game against Oakland, and Oakland was a double-digit uh, favorite. They were supposed – a lot of people were predicting like a 31-10 to 10 game and the Bengals kept kept them in it. They didn't let them get the big plays with Tyrell Williams and Josh Jacobs. They kept them between the twenties for the most part. They took away Darren Waller completely. They're not gonna have AJ Green. He's not playing again the rest of the season. But I feel like this is a game it's in Cincinnati. It's a division game, so I don't think it'll be a blowout. The teams just know each other too well. And the Steelers aren't at 100%. Juju's probably going to miss the game with concussion. Deontay Johnson's going to miss the game with concussion. That's two of their best three receivers. Pouncey's not going to be there. Yeah, Pouncey suspended three games. That's the heart and soul of their offense. Mason Rudolph should be suspended. I don't think they'll suspend. Actually, they might. It's still pretty early in the week. There was rumblings that he might get one game or just a fine, but he might not even be there. I think the Bengals could win this one, and they could win it because they have the cushion. Thanks to strength of schedule, even if they lose out and win this game, the Redskins can't catch them unless the Bengals win two games. And the Dolphins already have two wins, so they have that on their side. They don't have to go winless. So I think this is the week the Bengals pull off an upset victory. What about you? I'm going to have to go with the other team that we thought was tanking. The Miami Dolphins are gonna go to Cleveland and beat the shit after off out of the Browns. Who would have thought? would have thought that going into Week One that Cleveland would be a candidate to lose to a team like the Dolphins? Cleveland coming off their best win of the season, their most important win of the season, getting right in the ship, two game winning streak, loses their best player for the season, and they lost their linebacker too. Their team is going is hurting. They they lost. That's two stars on their defense against the Dolphins team with Fitz Magic, baby. And just don't bet against Fitz Magic. He always finds a way to beat bad teams. He did it against the Jets. Yeah, he did. It's just what happens. He they he beats bad teams. 
it's magic. Yeah, I could I could see it. that would be the most Cleveland Browns thing thing. To, like a lot of people, you listen to sports radio in New York, they say it would be the most Jets thing to do to lose to like the Redskins last week or to lose to the Dolphins, which they actually did. This would be the, a big Cleveland Browns thing to do to lose to the Dolphins after winning a division game like they did last year. I mean, last week. Okay, Dave. I think it's time for us to sign off. For sure. We got through it this time with no uh, technical difficulties. That was good. That was good. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave. It's been a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure. Good, good night.